Thanks, Ben. No pressure then. Fully confident. Lots of self-esteem this morning. Anybody feeling like that? One person put their hand up. <laughs> You're in the right place then, aren't we? Um, you know, I think, does God, I'm going to ask you this question. Does God really want to give us confidence? Right, okay. So you believe that, right? But how many of us actually walk in confidence most of the time? Yeah? How many of us doubt ourselves? How many of us think we're not good enough? Yeah? How many of us struggle with relationships at times? And Yeah, we all do, don't we? Um, and, then, and then I was thinking about this. I was thinking, can you be overconfident? Yes, someone said, yes, I can. Yes, I can. That's very overconfident. I remember when I, when, we, when, I was, uh, when I was younger, when the girls were younger, we went to a place called Parkour. I don't know if you've ever been there. It used to be a quarry. They converted into like a forest area, and it's really nice. And uh, we used to go there as kids. And I took the girls there, and there's this big area. It's almost, I feel it's like an amphitheater. There's a big piece of grass, and around it, it's, you know, you can't really sit anywhere. It's, it's pretty rough. But there's just this flat grass in the middle. And uh, we used to call it amphitheater as a kids. And I took the girls there. And it was, it, it was pretty wet, and we went up, and I got a football. Sarah was behind, and I'm excited with the football. Now, I've got a bit of an experience with the football, okay? I grew up playing football. I actually went and signed for Stoke City Football Club when I was 16 under Lumacott. Alan Ball signed me. He was my dad's hero, played for England, won the World Cup, right? And, I, and so I grew up with football. I'm pretty confident at kicking a ball, okay? So I, I, I can kick a ball. Anybody else kick a ball? Yeah, pretty, I'm okay kicking the ball. So I'm walking to this amphitheater. The girls are behind me, with, and Sarah's behind me, right? And I, and, I, and I run, I just get the ball a little bit, right? And I'm like, I can whack this ball. And I look at the amphitheater, I'm like, this ball's going, right? I'm showing my girls how I can kick this ball. And I run up with all my might, and I whack the ball. Didn't take into account that it had been wet, right? And, and what happened was, 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 I went up like that, Full might, this foot went up in the air, and the other one somehow, because that took it, went with it. And I flew up in the air, right? And I land bang on me. Is it your coccyx at the bottom there? Coccyx, I see it? That bit at the bottom that's really sore when you land on it, that you don't even know that's there until you land on it. And then you can't sit down for about a month, right? But all I heard was this. Sarah's like laughing her head off. She said, did you see how high you went? I said, it's not about seeing how high. It's that did I feel how high I went, right? Why do I tell that? Because I think I was pretty overconfident <laughs> at kicking that ball. I wasn't kind of looking around at the scenario and the weather and whatever. But I just think sometimes we can be overconfident, yeah? But in the same way, we can be underconfident. I don't think God wants us to be almost triumphant where we, you know, we think we're better than everyone and we can take all things on because God's with us. I don't think that is how God wants us to walk. And he doesn't want us to walk underconfident like a defeatist. Oh, I'm no good. I'm never going to do anything with my life. That's not what God wants. And if that's how you think, that's, you've got to change your, 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 your theology because that's not what God says about you. I don't believe that's what, why Jesus died for you, that you stay defeated. And I'm not saying life's easy and it's hard at times. We feel like that because we do feel defeated at times and God still loves us. But he doesn't want us to stay defeated. At the same time, he doesn't want to get us over ourselves too, too high. So we've got to get in the middle, balance. Does that make sense? Uh, but, so that my, first, my first point would be this. Do you really understand or do you really believe that God wants you to walk in confidence? Because if you don't believe that yet, you're going to struggle to walk in confidence. 
So you've got to believe that God wants to give you confidence. Let's look at Psalm 27, verse 3. David says this, Though an army besiege me, just picture that now. Picture an army coming against him. A full army. David was a shepherd boy. He became a warrior, but you know he didn't see himself as anything special. Though an army besiege me, he says, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. So David faced wars and he faced armies and they were besieging him, but in the same breath he had confidence. Anybody want some of that? In, in verse 10 it says this, now that's a difficult situation to deal with and you're getting an external thing, enemy coming against you. But what about when you've got an internal thing going on and you're dealing with your own emotions? David says this, though my father and mother forsake me. Just think how that feels. Your father and your mother forsaking you, not wanting you. Now we don't know exactly what that looked like for David, but he writes it. So he obviously had a struggle. Then he says this, the Lord will rescue me. So even though he's dealing with a really traumatic family situation, he has a confidence that the Lord will rescue him. My mum and dad might not be here for me, but there's someone greater who's going to look after me. Are you hearing this? And then after all of that, his emotions and his, how he's feeling about the situation, he then says this, Psalm 27, verse 3, this is the same psalm. He says, I remain confident of this. So Sarah preached last week great message about remaining, remembering and remaining from John. One of John's favorite words means meno in the Greek. Meno, remain, stay, dwell, right? So David understood this remaining or dwelling. And he says this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I mean, what a mindset that is. Your mother and your father don't like it. Army's coming against you. But he has a confidence that the goodness of the Lord, he's going to see it in the land of the living. Do you see what I'm saying? What a mindset this is. Now, well, I know he had his struggles. It wasn't always easy. But I want to look at David and maybe some of the things that helped him to have this confidence. You know, the ultimate one is Jesus. He, he understood who he, who he was. He understood, you know. And at times, I've got to be honest, I struggle with the Jesus thing because I think, well, I'm not Jesus. I'm just a bloke. Jesus was the son of God, right? Jesus is Jesus. He's God. But then I look in the Old Testament. There's characters who learn to lean on God. This gives me hope. If David can do it, we can do it. So God wants you to walk in confidence. Do you believe that? Let's look at David then. 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 40. Now this is a situation where Israel has been promised a land, but they're intimidated by the Philistines. And they've got a big warrior. You know the story, Goliath. And they're not able to go into this territory because Goliath stands there, you know, shouting at them all day saying, come on, take me on kind of thing, paraphrased. But they, they, no one dares to take him on. But then David, David hears about it and he thinks something else because he has a different view of how he sees the situation. So he 
Saul calls him in and he speaks to Saul, who's the king at the time. And Saul speaks to him and he says, I want to give you something, right? And then this is what he says. He says, then, the, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And then he says this, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in, his, in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. And I'm sure we've all heard how it ends. David takes down the Philistine with one stone. Bang. Probably the one place that Goliath had no armor. Here, his visor. David knew how to hit it. He knew the weak spots. Hit anywhere else, he'd have probably just bounced off. But no, he knew here. And he got him right between the eyes. Bang, and took him down. But you know, in this situation, I see someone who actually had learned confidence. Not in their own strength, but in somebody else's strength. A few things I want to share with you about David. First one is this. David knew who he was. Do you know who you are this morning? Listen, we're all on a journey. We're all wrestling with things. But I believe God wants to give you confidence in who you are. So you know who you are. You know, David goes to Saul, and Saul offers him his armor. And, he, he, and he's not disrespectful, by the way. He's not like, I'm not listening to them in authority. They don't know what they're talking about. He's not giving it the old swagger head thing. Right? He's, not, he's not overconfident. But he's sure in who he is. He doesn't dis disrespect authority. He's not got a bad attitude. So he respects Saul. He takes on what Saul is saying, him, but it's saying to him. But he said, yeah, moving around doesn't quite fit me. But he doesn't disrespect him. Really important, that is. His attitude was right towards those in authority. But he puts them on and it doesn't feel right. Why? Because he's not used to them. He's not used to walking around with armor on. Why is he not used to walking around with an armor? Because he's not a warrior. He's a shepherd. Does this make sense? So there's no point trying to make him into a warrior if he's not a warrior. He's a shepherd. You see what I'm saying? He knew, what, he knew who he was. No, I, I'll take my shepherd's bag. I'll take my staff. And, I, and I'll put the stone in the bag because that's who I am. I'm a shepherd. And I love my sheep. And I'll lay my life down for my sheep. See, he knew exactly who he was. He's not being shaped by the soul of this world. He's not being shaped by what other people say. He's being shaped by who God has made him. And he knew this through his worship. He knew this through his time with God. In the quietness of his heart, where no one was looking, but God was there. And he learned to put God number one in his heart. It's called worship. Do you know what, what, what is worship? If we were to define worship, what would you say it is? There's probably about 10 things going through your head now. Right? You've grown up in church. What is worship? Singing a song. No, th this is how I would define worship. It's understanding and giving Scripture the authoritative word in your lives daily. Does that make sense? So David understood God 
And he put God, God's word, number one daily in his life. That is worship. That is worship. Now, we can sing songs and focus on God and reflect on who he is, and we need to do that. But that's not necessarily full worship. Because you can go from here and then not worship God tomorrow. Does this make sense? And you're selling yourself short because that's not worship. Worship is when my attention is on the one that I love and then I obey him when nobody else is looking. Because if you do that, you'll understand his words and you'll understand who he is and you'll begin to gain a confidence in trusting his word daily. And then you'll be like, David, no, that smile is not like I smile. I smell something different in this atmosphere. I smell the victory of my God. I smell, that is an uncircumcised Philistine, he says. No, that is what the enemy wants to put on my people. I'm not having it. Because he knew who he was. He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He, he, he was not a warrior. He loved his sheep. Now he became a warrior. But he was not a, he was not a warrior. He was a shepherd. And he knew exactly who he was. You know, I'm really challenged, church, to think, how many things get put on me that are not meant to be on me? How many things am I carrying that are not meant to be on me, that are weighing me down? People's expectations, worrying about what people think about me, and I'm carrying weight that I don't need to be carrying. And I'm losing confidence and self-esteem because I'm so bothered about everybody else's of this world. Maybe people in authority or maybe other people, I don't know, in your family. You're worrying about what people think and you're carrying burdens that you don't need to carry. Maybe it's the pursuit of success. If I just get that position or if I just get that power, then if I've got it, then that will make me and I'll know who I am. Anybody who understands responsibility, when you get that power, you realize it doesn't give you what you're after. That's what you're after. What are you carrying that you don't need to carry? You know, God has made us so wonderful, hasn't he? He's made us so wonderful. David knew it. He said, I am, Psalm 139, he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, he says. You know, when I was on sabbatical, we were, I wasn't going to share this, but I'll share it. When I was on sabbatical, we, we went to a place called Banff in Canada, and we went up to the top of the mountain. We didn't walk up. I would have walked up, but we went up on a cable car, right? And it was a great experience. We went up to the top. Phenomenal place, right? Huge views from the top. About 7,000 meters up high and looking down. And, but when I got to the top, there was all these trees. And I'd never been to the top of a mountain, high mountain, where there's been trees before. Every mountain I've been to in the UK, the highest one is uh, Van Nevis. I forgot that. <laughs> And then you've got Scarfell Park, Snowden, the guys went the other week. None of them have got trees on the top. I camped on the top, near enough on the top of one once, and we wanted to build a fire, and we're like, there's no firewood. So, so me being the runner, they said, you go down, get some wood. So I ran down, got some wood, and I was like, I couldn't find any wood halfway down. I come back and I said, there's no wood. There's no wood. But on the top of these mountains, there was trees. And all these trees, they, 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 like, they, were, sm they were pine trees, and they were smelling so beautiful. And they were overwhelming me, the smell. And the girls were up there with me. And the girls, it was like this walkway that walked over to the other side of the mountain. Great view. And they were going across this boardwalk. And I'm saying, can you smell the trees? And they're like, he's crazy. You know, they're just off. The, I'm, I'm in, no, not crazy. I'm embarrassing them. I'm like, can you smell it? It was like, it was like therapy to me. I was like, wow, it's so beautiful. I could have stayed there all day. 
And then I went down the mountain and didn't think anything of it. And then we went to a camp. And whilst at camp, in the, in, you know, in, in the service, you know, we're, we're worshipping God with songs. We can say that. We're worshipping God in, you know, in that way. And we're there in the service. And then God speaks to me. And he shows me a pine tree. It's like an image in my, in my spirit, in my mind. You know, sometimes that happens, right? God can show us things. And he showed me this tree. And I looked at it. And I just asked the question. Why are you showing me that? And as I'm looking at the tree, the, the, the smile begins, begins to come back to me in the service. I'm like, is someone walking around with pine trees? Someone spraying pine trees? Smile. Shh, shh. Like, can you smell it? It's that crazy man again saying he can smell pine trees. I'm like, can you smell it? Smell it. Can you smell how beautiful it is? Again. And God spoke to me. And he says, you think that's beautiful, Paul? You see how beautiful you are? Because you're more beautiful than that pine tree. And I began to weep. And I began to cry. And then he showed me another tree. And at the side of it, there was another tree. And there was all these shiny things on it. And I was like, it was the same tree, but it got all these shiny things covering it. And he said, this is how a lot of people live, Paul. He said, they cover themselves with things. The world's offering the next thing to look beautiful and feel wonderful about yourself. And they keep adding these things one after another. He says, and all it's doing is weighing them down. And I was like, wow. He said, but underneath was the same tree. And it really impacted me. And, and beautiful is not a word I would use in my vocabulary. But since then, every word I'm using, it's got to have beautiful in the sentence. Do you know how beautiful you are this morning? Do you know how beautiful you are? No. I'm going to say it again. Do you know how beautiful you are? Oh, come on. Do you know you're God's creation made in the image of God? You are. Now, the world might not have been beautiful to you. In life, you might not feel beautiful. But the truth is, you are beautiful. See, David understood he was beautiful. He understood he was fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew he was beautiful in the sight of God. He says this. He says, one thing, this is in Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask, this is what he wants. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. So this is David's secret of what he wanted that made him understand and have a confidence in God. One thing is what I ask, one thing is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days to gaze upon the beauty of To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing David knew, if he could just get one look of God, it would transform his life. It would affirm who he was. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am beautiful. I'm not a warrior. I'm a shepherd and I love my sheep. He knew who he was. Are you with me? Do you know who you are this morning? I ask you this question. Do you know that you're saved? Okay, a few more, right? So this is what we need, church. We're good at preaching salvation, and we need to understand that we're saved, right? Jesus died for you. Do you know Jesus died for your sins? You know that you're forgiven. You know that Jesus defeated death on the cross. Wonderful, you've got that. Now what you need, and we need, is not just a salvation confidence, but a creation confidence. We need to understand who we are as a church and what we're here for. We're here to worship as we gather together, understand God, submit to him, get that, then go out and be salt and light. Not go out and get more things to make us feel better. No. Go out and give your life. Go out and sacrifice. Go out and serve people. That's what we're called to do. 
But that's not designed to give you identity. Your identity is the place you get it from God and God alone. As you love him and allow him to love you. So how do we... I've gone all off show here. It's okay, isn't it? Right, let me go back then. David, ready? David, next one. David knew his limitations. Do you know your limitations? The things that you're made to be and do and the things that you're not made to do and be, right? I'll tell you one of my limitations is administration. Who despise, no, not despise. Who, who is not an administration guru? You know, you know your limitations. Who is good at limit? Who is good at administration? Come on, that's a gift. That is a gift. Who's good at music? Oh, who's gifted to do, who's gifted to, with music? The ability to sing songs. Who's gifted? Come on. Yeah, come on. Listen, right, right, right. We're not being defeatist and we're not being over triumphant, right? We're in the middle. Who can sing songs? Right. Hey, we've cool. I hope we can sing songs in the church. We can't sing them in the church. We're stuffed. Right? You've got natural abilities. You've got a journey to understand what them natural abilities are and use them for the glory of God. Right? It's, if, if we don't have the glory of God in there, who has the glory? We, we do. And that's not good for us. That's, God knows it's not good for us. So, so when we do well in life, we understand our gift and our talent has come from someone who created us. Okay? He made us with gifts and talents to use them to build one another up and to go and do good works in the world. He's given us. So find out what they are and go and use them. How do you know what they are? By having a go. How did David know that he wasn't to carry the armor? Because he said, I'm not used to the not used to it. That means he's already had a go. If he hadn't had a go, he'd have picked up the sword and gone, hey, I'm going to have, look, I've got Saul's weaponry. Look how tough and hard I am. Come on, let's have it. No. He knew who he was. Why? Because he'd been using them. If you don't use them, you won't understand. Eric, I think it's Eric Little, is it, is it um, Chariots of Fire? Right? He says this, I, God has given me a purpose. And then he says this, and he's also made me to run fast. He says, so I run fast. He says, and I feel the pleasure of God when I do it. You see what I'm saying? That's his gift. And, and when he uses his gift, he senses God's presence and pleasure in using it for good. So unless you use it, you won't understand the pleasure that it gives God and also that it gives you. I'm not talking about salvation being made right with God through works. I'm talking about you having a confidence creation and going out with it and using it and being who you are and living life like a light in the dark. Are you with me? But if you never use it, you'll take someone else's army. You'll take someone else's success. You'll go, oh, if I get that position, then I'll be successful. No, success is this. Now, can I just have a pastoral conversation? Is that okay? Right, just, just come in. We've not been given equal gifts. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Brother and sister, you're not the same. So stop comparing yourself and having sibling rivalry and being sulky when you don't get what they get at that time. You are different creatures. You're made differently. 
Now, the world wants to tell you that you are not getting what you should get because they got it and you didn't get it. Do you think God's looking and going, oh, my son, you didn't get what they got. You, you, you have a sulk. You think he's going to say to you, do you think that's his conversation? No, this is his conversation. Use what I've given you. Find out what I've given you and go and use it. See, the parable of the talents, guess what? They didn't get the same. What happens if the one who got one got? He's got five. He got more than me. I'm not coming to church anymore. They got more attention. No. What should our response be then pastorally? Right? Not to focus on other people and compare ourselves, but look at ourselves and think, what has God given me? Now God wants me to use it. And if you do that, you'll begin to find a confidence in God, a confidence in yourself. When you take your eyes off everybody else and stop taking their shiny things on, you'll find out that naturally you are a beautiful tree made in the image of God. Are you with me? Now, unless you try something, you won't understand it because you won't get used to it. David tried it, tried it, tried it, tried it when no one was looking. He knew he was a shepherd. Wow, right between the eyes, job done. You see what I'm saying? It becomes natural. Don't you love it? Administration people who love it. It comes natural to it. I'm like, you are a gift from God. David knew who he was and he knew his limitations. Right? The other thing this, David knew God was with him. This is really important. David knew that God was with him. He wasn't going into the battle alone. He wasn't going into that world alone. He was going with God. He wasn't fighting the fight alone. He was fighting it with God. He'd learned to trust God when no one was looking. And when the big occasion came, he just implemented what he'd already learned. It was just natural to him. But he knew that God was with him. Now, when I read some of this stuff, I think, and I talk about confidence and building self-esteem, I look at my own ability and I think, oh, I can't do this. Moses was a man asked by God to go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, and he says, not me, I can't speak. I can't get my words out. Can't speak. The guy who can't speak then writes much of the Old Testament, right? Much of the Old Testament that even influenced Jesus, that Jesus quotes of a man who couldn't get a word out of his mouth. So that tells me this, the confidence is not in his own ability, but in the power of God. You see what I'm saying? So we look at ourselves and think, I can't do this. No, you can't. But if you understand that God is with you and working in you, then you'll begin to operate with a different mindset. You'll be able to say, I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Whatever that land looks like, God will be using it for good. Whether it works well or not well, God will be working in it because he's with me and he promises never to leave me. So I struggle with this at times. And you've got to remember this creation confidence as well. We live in a fallen world, do we not? And we're wrestling with this thing called sin that is in our lives that's corrupted the world, made us feel a certain way. So we're struggling. We've taken on experiences of life that haven't made us feel good. So we're on a journey to come away from that into what God has already made. Now God calls it this, the new creation. Paul calls it this, sorry, the new creation. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, in Christ, new creation. 
So how do we get into the new creation? Through faith, but by God's grace. God offers us the gift of new creation to make all things right. He offers it you, and you choose through faith. What does that mean? I'm going to trust what God says. That's what faith is. I'm trusting what he says, and now I'm a part of the new creation. The challenge with that is, it's not yet all fully been done. We're waiting for the fullness of it. But in the meantime, where do I live? Do I live in the old life or do I live in the new life? Where are you going to live? Right, okay. Now, what's the problem with that? The power of sin and death. Because sin is powerful. So how do we get out of this? How do we break it? Most of you probably know this, have heard it before. Paul writes this in Galatians 1 verse 2. He says this, Grace and peace to you, From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our Father, God and Father, to whom all glory forever and ever. So in other words, Jesus came into this evil age to break the power of sin and death. Did he not? So Jesus has come in to break the power of sin and death off your life. Now, just a little bit on the gospel. What is the gospel, the good news? I hope you know because you should be going out and telling people about it. This is not a test, by the way. Most of us might say that the gospel is this. Jesus died for the forgiveness of my sins. I am forgiven and I'm going to heaven. Would you agree on that? Would Would you agree that's the gospel? Eh? part of the gospel. It's not the full gospel. Because if you just do it from that point of view, it's quite individualistic. You say, I'm forgiven, I'm made right with God, which is right, now I'm waiting to go to heaven. And your life never changes. Because you don't live in the power power God has offered you to break the power of sin off your life. So we only live in the old creation, we don't live in the new creation, which is made by the power of God. But if we choose Jesus in the full gospel, then it breaks the power of sin and it empowers us now to walk daily with God, with a God-given confidence, who in his power will break the power of sin off your life. Are you with me? And David understood this. When he went to Goliath, he wasn't going to fight it on his own. God was with him. When you get up tomorrow, guess what? The power of God is with you. It breaks the power of sin off your life. And the spirit of truth will lead you into truth. Yes, but I don't feel like a new creation. I don't feel loved. Believe that if you want to, but the Bible tells us and God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made in the image of God. What are you going to believe? Are you going to carry the shiny things from the world? Are you going to go back to the one who makes us natural and made in his image? I'm going to go back to the creator. And I'm going to say, I'm not listening to that anymore. It's a lie. And the power of God is going to lead you, and he'll break the power of sin, and he'll renew you into the new creation of who you're called to be. Where are you going to live? New creation or old? New. New. And by the way, this doesn't happen. You go, I am a new creation. The old is gone. Nothing changes. I am a new creation. The old is gone. You confess it. Guess what? Nothing changes. Anybody found that? It's not wrong to confess that, but it might not necessarily change your life. So what does change your life? David understood this. You ready? David understood he needed a good diet 
He needed a good diet of the truth of God. He needed a good diet of worship, but that wasn't enough. He didn't just live as a consumer, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. He lived as a person who understood diet was good, but exercise is good. Diet is good, exercise is good. I need to take on the word of God and I need to apply the word of God. I need to hear the word of God and I need to put it into practice. And as you begin to eat it and as you begin to apply it, you'll begin to get a confidence the word of God is real, it's alive, it's sharp and a double-edged sword, it'll cut through soul and bone and it will change your life. I'm a new creation in Christ, the old is gone. No, it's not. It'll only change when you exercise in it. Are you with me? Now, most of us, we come to church like this, okay? Come to church. What am I going to get this morning? What's the pastor going to give me this morning? What do I get out of this church? Does anybody come like that? Sometimes. At least you're honest, right? Sometimes. When I got saved, that's how I came. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus is going to change my life. God, give me this. God, give me a family. God, give me a car. I still do it sometimes. God, give me, give me, give me. Does anybody do this? Yeah, sometimes. Which, if we're not careful, is completely consumeristic. Consumerism. What we should be doing is this. You ready? God, what do you want me to do today? God, what's your will today? What do you want me to do? You see the shift? Diet, worship, exercise. Where am I going today? Nothing will change. You won't understand the power of God. You won't understand the word of God if there's no application. We have to apply the word of God. And that is totally up to you every day. Now, have a confidence. Number one, know who you are. Number two, don't forget God is with you tomorrow. You're not doing this on your own. It's not a single-handed fight to fight through your mess. No, God is with you to get you through the mess. Otherwise, you do it on your own. Don't think you're my friend anymore, are you? We need diet and exercise. David had diet and exercise in worship. He understood God's, God's, God's word. I just want to finish with the guys. If you want, guys want to come up, he's, his name is Enoch. So we need to understand that God wants us to walk in confidence. But we need to learn to walk with God. We need to learn to walk with God. You know, there's a guy in Genesis 5, 21. His name is Enoch. There's not much written about him apart from he walked with God faithfully for 300 years, you know, not a week, not a day, like most of us. 300 years, he walked faithfully with God. Just get your head around that. You know, I mean, people live longer back there, right? Try and get your head around that as well. But 300 years he lived with God. He lived to 365, I think it was. But for 300 years, he walked faithfully with God. And then he said he was no more. Get your head around that. God took him. There's only a couple of examples in the Bible where that happens. Elijah. God takes him, and we could say Jesus ascends. No one else does that but this guy named Enoch. And it says this, that he walked with God. That's all he did. Walk with him. Walk with him. Anybody like walking? You know, some of you may struggle to walk, whatever, your ability or whatever. But when I'm talking walking, we're not talking about go and go for a walk with God. You can do that, and God is with you. We're talking about movement. 
We're talking about relationship. We're talking about responding backwards and forwards in relationship to him. All he wants to do is walk with you. You know, I, I read this and Sarah gave me a word of encouragement this week about it. There's so much pressure on us to like run with God and do things for God. So much that the world is telling us to do. So many expectations people are putting on us. And I believe all God wants us to do is walk with him. You know, it says Enoch walked 300 years. But before that, I'm not sure he was walking well with God, but it said a certain moment in his life changed. Have we got it on the screen? I don't know if we've got it. I didn't. It says this. After he became the father of Methuselah. So after he became the father, it said he walked faithfully for 300 years. So he had a son. And I believe something happened when he had that son that made him realize, wow, look how beautiful this child is. All I want to do is gaze upon the beauty of God's creation. God has gifted me with a son. All I can do is to be faithful to him and honor what he has done. To demonstrate not only the love for my, my son, but my love for him and his loving kindness towards me. I want to ask you this morning, has God given you his son? I believe he has. Do you know that God has given you his son, Jesus Christ, as a gift to us to break the power of sin and death off our lives so that we can love him, love ourselves, love one another out of the beauty of who he is? He didn't have to give his son, but he chose to sacrifice him. Isaiah said when they looked at him on the cross that no one could recognize who he was. No one recognized the beauty in his face. No one recognized him as the son of God. He was afflicted. He was ashamed. He was crucified on the cross. Why? To show you how much he loves you. To restore in us the new creation. To break the power of sin. Yes, we're going to go to heaven and there's a new creation. But why wait for that when you can have it now? And have a God-given confidence every day of your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't always feel confident. doesn't mean that you'll feel beautiful because people will say things and things happen and you'll question yourself. But I want to encourage you this week, each day, just walk with God. Walk with Him. Listen to Him. May He open the eyes of your heart to know Him more and have a God-given confidence in who you are in the image of God paid for by the blood of his precious son. You are loved. Loved by God. Loved with his own son. You know, I want to be like Enoch. Not just to be taken up to get out of this place, but to demonstrate my love for God by walking faithfully. What does that mean? It simply means this. Just trust him, eh? Just trust him at his word. Just trust him what he says about you. Just trust him. Just trust him.
So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that everybody here is made in the image of God. Father, I pray this week that you would develop the trust in each one of us. Just like David, help us to know who we are. Shake off the things that we're not meant to carry. Shake off false expectations that are weighing us down. We break those by the power and name of Jesus and the power of the blood on their lives. Wash them, cleanse them, Father. Resurrect the dead people this morning that they come alive with you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we want to worship you this week, Father, but we can't do it alone. We need your presence. We need your word in our lives. Give us a diet and a hunger for the word of God, but Lord, give us the confidence to apply it and not be intimidated by what other people think. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, impart God-given confidence by your spirit. Like Joshua needed confidence. Lord, he needed courage. Give them courage, Lord, to follow you and walk with you every day. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Ready? Are we ready to worship God? Come on, let's stand.